Bulawayo is a place that cradled me and a place that always resonates with me. And I will support and I will always keep uh, coming back and planting seeds whenever I can. Um, Hi, everyone. This is Natasha Gellin's Guys podcast. I am so, so excited. I have a very special guest with me today, um, Mr. Frank Malava. Uh, I'm sure some of you will know him. He's an actor, he's a poet, playwright, creative. Um, if, you, if, you, if you're on social media, you'll know about Frank. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, so excited to have Frank um, on Girl and podcast. Um, and one of the reasons that I really, really wanted to have a conversation with him is uh, following the documentary um, titled Transactions um, that followed Frank's family and tells the story of so many of us um, and, and what we always talk about on the podcast being away from home, being Zimbabwean scattered all over the world and sort of dealing with that. But let me not get uh, too in, into the meat of the documentary. Um, but firstly, I'll just say, hi, Frank, how are you? Hello, Natasha, or shall I just call you Nat? Nat, <laughs> my friends call me Nat, so you can call me Nat. <laughs> yeah. Hello, Nat, it's really nice to meet you. Uh, really really great to be on your podcast uh, thank, thank thank you so much thank you so much um um so i know frank is a busy man so we'll just get into it right because there's a few things i want to talk to you about so i'll just start uh -huh. off with transactions like i sort of said at the beginning it's such a powerful documentary um uh -huh. and really you know encapsulated what me and friends and so many people talk about you know we've got we're from zimbabwe from Bulawayo, um mm -hmm. and you know you have people in the uk in south africa in germany in america and literally you have families that are connecting via whatsapp um using technology to sort of stay connected and i think there is just a common thread where sometimes the relationship can become transactional right pretty much yeah it, it, it's very much and also and also yeah. toxic absolutely absolutely um so how how did this come about um because i know this is directed by rumbi kateza so i'm just mm -hmm. interested how did this land in the Mal malaba household and oh. yeah that's an interesting story. That's a good question too. Um, so I've known Rumbi since uh, 2011, 2012. Um, she made a documentary then uh, that was called The Axe and the Tree. And it was in Shauna. And that was my first uh, job that I did as a translator. So I pretty much did subtitles and translations for that documentary and that's how we met physically i knew who she was because i had uh, sort of seen her on television i'd seen her involvement with uh, the film festivals back home uh, so i knew who she was but uh we didn't have a sort of friendship you know like we do now and um so after that document we sort of stayed in touch and we had we had each other on Facebook and we had a good uh, rapport and we always um, checked in and I think it could have easily been five or six years ago that we started having a conversation. She wanted to do something, a documentary on me uh, dealing with various stuff and I was very hesitant because as much as I'm active on social media and stuff, I like to keep my private life private. The good thing about social media is you can curate what you put out there. Absolutely. And you can choose what you want. Uh, I find that more and more as I get older, I censor myself more. I don't have to comment on everything. I don't have to have an opinion on everything. So when she approached me and told me the idea of this documentary and what she was looking at, I um, 
was very reluctant about it because I thought, oh, I cannot put my life out there because my life, that's, that's all I have, you know, that's a part of me that I keep to myself that I take pride in that I, I have the privilege to keep that people don't have, are not entitled to. It took a while and we just kept talking and, um, I made a decision, I think it might've been about three years ago <clears throat> where I said, okay, I can't keep saying no, because obviously the story and the topic are very important and they're things that do affect me. But uh, if my mom agrees to do it, then I'll do it. So she was the barometer that I used to, to gauge if I was going to do this or not. And with all respect to Rumbi, um, I, if it if it wasn't about family and was just about me, I probably would have maybe agreed earlier, or would have been uh, less more hesitant. But uh, mom sort of took her time, and eventually she said yes, and Rumbi would visit her, and it spent time, and there was that trust as well, and, and that understanding of how film works and how the recordings work and how to interact with the camera if it's on you the whole time. So when that happened and mom said yes, then I said, okay, if she's in, then that means I'm in because she's the person that I protect mostly in my life. And I also um, uh, approached my siblings and I connected them to room B and it all went well. And that's how it kind of started. And then we did a few test runs where Rumbi and her team followed me when I was um, doing acting coaching. I, I, I do some free acting coaching for young people from different backgrounds. And uh, she came over and they recorded that. And that was just the beginning of COVID when we weren't sure, do we wear masks? Do we not? We social distance, what is social distancing? And so they recorded all that time, getting the rhythm and sort of getting the rhythm on, on my day and following me around. And then eventually it led up to all the stuff that you see that was captured. So it was a long process. Uh, it could have taken a shorter time had it not been for COVID, but um, because of COVID it took um, up to three years. I think it, it almost took us three years to shoot that. Okay. Um, it's interesting. Interesting. So when did you stop the recording? Was it 2020, 2021, I'm assuming? I think it was towards the end of 2021. I think it was, and I stand corrected, but I think it was end of 2021. Okay. Amazing. It was just before, yes. We ended just before I left for Cape Verde, because uh, I remember one of the things that we tried to get in was to uh, get me to uh, start um, showing a little bit of the work that I was preparing for Cape Verde, but I never got a chance to do that because it took longer than I anticipated it would. So yeah, it was 2021, I remember, just before I went to Cape Verde. Yeah, okay, um, and, and thank you for, for giving the background. Um, and actually your mom was a natural, <laughs> on camera <laughs> she's just a star <laughs> she's just a, a, a natural um and with your siblings um did it take a lot of convincing or were they on board when mom was like we're doing this it didn't actually i was surprised that they would because i uh like for my sister crystal for example um she's not very out there when it comes to stuff like that i don't think anyway and I haven't seen a lot of them in a while. I last saw Miles in person maybe three or four years ago when they came to visit uh, with his family. Um, and I hadn't seen mom in a while, you know. So I wasn't sure because people change over time and temperaments change and ideologies so I wasn't sure if they're going to say yes. So I put it, I put the, uh, the onus on Ruby to actually follow up and, and say, oh, okay, um, this is what we're going to do. And 
I said to her, you got, you know, free reign to, to contact whoever, you know, wants to take part and, and be part of this. Yeah. So that's how it all happened. Okay. So I will start with how the documentary ended. Um, obviously, okay. feel free to, <laughs> to not share or share. Because um, yeah. we saw that Kiki, um, I'm assuming that's, that's Crystal. Crystal, yes. Yeah. Um, so she left the WhatsApp group. Um, and I was very interested in her story um, because I think there was a, a, a sort of theme that, you know, you're in South Africa doing your thing, Miles and Portia in the UK, um, obviously Portia's, you know, working, she's studying, um, there's sort of like progression that you can sort of see and miles with his uh, child or children. Um, and obviously you all, are able to financially contribute in a way that she isn't because mm-hmm. she is in Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. So I was just interested in um, sort of knowing, uh, just perhaps just from you as a mm-hmm. brother point of view, after watching the documentary, did you gain a different appreciation just for where she is, just her situation? Um, in a way that perhaps you hadn't before the documentary? Um, so for me, the, my position has always been clear. My position has always been, we will help wherever we can because we are all struggling, right? And uh, part of that struggle has been to try and help her get out of where she is and find her feet. It doesn't matter where she ends up. It doesn't have to be Poland, for example. It can be Seychelles or it can be wherever she finds herself, but there needs to be a trajectory of uh, getting out and finding her feet and finding something that she loves and is passionate about or still working in the field that she's working in. There's a lot of that kind of work happening. So, my appreciation for her has never waned ever. Uh, it's just frustrating sometimes when you want to see somebody uh, get out of a situation and prosper and keep going and you give all the support you can. Because obviously some months are good. I, I work for myself mostly. I mean, I know in the documentary, I was still working for the hotel, but um um, the hotel was great, but um, it didn't pay as much as uh, I felt I was worth, you know. Um, and so I had to do other stuff on the side. And I still worked as an actor. I've always worked as an actor on the side. It doesn't matter what work I do. Um, it doesn't matter what work I do. I always have worked as an actor since the time I was eight years old. Um, It's always a thing. I think the day I stop acting is the day I die. So for me, there's always that. So sometimes I have more money Mm. and I'm able to contribute more in large scales. And sometimes I don't because the roles don't always come in. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's, you know, that's an actor's life. You don't always have an income. So when I, I have, I do offer and I say, this is what we can do. We can work in this paperwork, study this, do that, get into this college, do this and do that. And it's all the advice. And you can only do so much because you, you cannot force somebody to be you. Yeah. If you have the same principles as you have or the same drive as you have. So I've always supported anything that she puts her hand to and says she wants to do. Mm-hmm. But it gets frustrating when... Um, there are other people involved yeah. and um, you got to make decisions around the person that's in her life that uh, you have other feelings about. Yes. Yeah. So it's always been that sort of minefield for me because you don't want to take a person's autonomy away because we've all got to navigate through life. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see anything that was new in the documentary because it brought out a lot of things more I think in the open for us to be able to gauge and go oh wow this is the extent 
But um, as a family, we've always had conversations together mm. to see how we'd be able to be more supportive, to sort of uh, hold her hand through it. But it's hard when there's no motivation from the actual person wanting to do it. Mm. So um, my perspective has always been that um, she's very talented and she's gifted with people and she would be fantastic if she found a passion that she wants to go with, which is uh, something that's malleable outside of Zimbabwe and able to grow, you know? Mm. So that's been my, my stance with her. We don't uh, communicate as much as we should, mm -hmm. as much as I would love to, but also um, life is constantly going on for me. Yeah. And I'm holding down most of the time, two to three jobs at a time. Mm. So, um, and always on the road, you know, yeah. so, so it's, it's a bit difficult for me to, to always have my finger on the pulse. So yeah. every time um, I get a chance, I will reach out. Uh -huh. But um, I also don't want to be the sort of person who's controlling. It says, you're going to stop what you're doing and get out of there and do this. I have tried that approach before. It just doesn't work. Yeah. So a person has got to be in a space where they feel valued. They mm -hmm. feel that their consciousness is respected and that their person is given the autonomy to just discover who they want to be. Yeah. And that goes for Crystal as well, Kiki. Yeah. It's, um, it's something that I think one needs to, to identify because... I know there's a lot of frustration around siblings when they don't go in the direction that others are going, but I don't know the internal struggles that are there or the, the feelings that are there, which need to be dealt with. And I don't have the tools to be able to handle that. Mm -hmm. So what I can do is support in any way that I can. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes um, finance doesn't solve everything. It's not about that. Absolutely. It's about, it's about uh, the person and where they are, where they want to be, mm -hmm. what they want to do. Absolutely, absolutely. And, 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 and thank you for that. And I think what I really liked about the documentary is I think different people can see themselves in the different siblings um, and also sort of maybe see their mom. Like your mom, mm -hmm. she just reminded me of aunts that I know. <laughs> that yeah. are, you know those women that are like just, go-getters and they just and get larger than done. life <laughs> yeah <laughs> and they just get things done um and I, I guess sort of just just moving maybe to maybe to, to your mom really um mm -hmm. because you know she's quite industrious and obviously that's shown through yourselves as well um mm -hmm. and sort of touched on the support that she gives extended <clears throat> family um, you know, which is Ubuntu, which is what, you know, exactly all sort of do. Um, but yeah, I was just wondering, so off, at, off the back of the documentary, just as a family, have you perhaps just had other people who are like, oh, you know what, we kind of appreciate that, you know, money isn't coming from trees <laughs> and we thank you so yeah. much for everything that you're doing. Yeah. It's been, it's been quite something. So I'm getting a lot of uh, mail and messages from people I had never heard of, um, people from different backgrounds, not necessarily black. I'm getting messages from people in Denmark, people, um, there was somebody um, that was in Canada. Um, I had a woman from Sweden in the streets of Cape Town when I walk. I have people, Zimbabweans as well, tap me on the shoulder I saw you in that documentary you were that guy and I go yeah and then we have quick messages and can you believe the person they ask about mostly is Crystal Kiki they ask why didn't she go to Poland did she ever go to Poland they are always curious about that question so maybe she needs her own documentary <laughs> um so it's been incredible the kind of responses and the kind of questions. So now, um, next month, actually, I'm on my way to, to Holland. It's showing at this uh, huge film festival. I, I hear it's the biggest 
documentary festival in the world. So I'm going to be part of the discussion panel there. Um, and that means it's going to be distributed to a whole lot more people than those that saw it, saw it already. You know, uh, it's unbelievable that such a, a, a story is getting um, a limelight or a chance for people to be able to understand the intricacies of what it's like to, to, to be riddled with black tax. I never thought that, um, that I would ever see a day when black tax was a universal conversation that was had by people even that aren't black. Yeah. You know, so um, it's, uh, it's an incredible, incredible thing to experience and to, to see how it's impacted people. It's just my story and the way life has gone. It's my family's story, but it's, uh, you know, it's a little glimpse into almost every Zimbabwean family there is. And maybe also Congolese, yeah. Tanzanian, Namibian, yeah. and all these other, uh, you know, people that have had to leave their homes to go and, and find themselves. I mean, I didn't leave Zimbabwe at, you know, in a, in a way that was, that, you know, that was conducive. I didn't leave Zimbabwe because I wanted to. I left because my life was threatened. Mm. So to start building your life from the soles of your feet to get to where I am now and what I'm achieving and what I'm finding is a lot of work. And when you're sitting in it, you don't see it. Yeah. When something like a documentary like this or any other documentary that reflects the real lives of ordinary people, mm. they go, oh, okay, I've been through it. I've been through a lot, you know. Yeah. So when you when you start looking at it in that perspective, then you see that your life actually touches other lives. And you spoke about Ubuntu before, mm. and Ubuntu goes. So, I was just saying, what happens is when an ordinary life is displayed of a person that you think has got a life that's different from you, mm. you start to realize that we all are the same. Mm -hmm. And that we all go through the same intricate and mundane and difficult and tough things in life. And I think uh, that's a gift that my family has been able to gift uh, everybody that saw that. Um, and I, we haven't sat down as a family and had a conversation to say, you know, what, what, what is this that we did? What, what is this that we have now? Yeah. Um, but it seems we each individually have had experiences with strangers that have really shared um, what this has meant in their lives and what and what has happened in you know in their lives and how and how things have changed or have enriched their lives. So I'm I'm really grateful that it's bringing all of these things I've mentioned. Yes. Absolutely. And you described it well when you say it's a gift. Um, it, it, it really is a gift um, to us because I don't know how many families would have been brave enough <laughs> to put themselves out there. Um, but I thank you so much for that because like you say, it is the story of so many of us. Um, mm -hmm. And just sort of going back to what you were saying about why it resonates with so many people and, and black tax sort of being at the fore of conversation. Um, I think uh, one thing that my, my friends and I, Goli uh, and I on this podcast have talked about is just the impact that having to, you know, do the right thing, take care of family, what that has, the impact that it has on you being able to progress and build a life outside of home. So mm -hmm. if you compare yourself to your peers, um, you know, who don't have those worries about sending money home, um, mm -hmm. you know, it, just that mental bandwidth and, you know, extra cash just makes such a difference. You know, I, I, I see that when I'm having conversations with, you know, my friends who were born in the UK, their parents, grandparents are here, you know, they, they, they're, they're just in a different world and 
they almost cannot relate <laughs> when I'm like, no, yeah. my aunt needs money for this. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because um, our, the, the structure of our networks and our family is so intricate that when you start to describe things, um, a lot of people don't understand it. It's like you need, you actually need to take them through how family systems and relations work this side of the world. So it's just been quite um, an incredible journey for me too. Um, the funny thing is I was just having a Black Tax interview, not interview, Black Tax conversation with my friend Lebo today. And we were just saying, I don't know how we've made it through because we were just, we're both here. She's here for Poetry Africa. And I was performing at a different uh, thing yesterday for the Maritime Day. And we were standing in her room this morning and we looked at each other and said, we are these two black tax ambassadors that are standing here and we're in some of the most difficult professions of this. You're not guaranteed of income until you book a job, right? Or until you create your own job. Yeah. So, so put that on top of also looking after a family. And then compare yourself to somebody who has a nine to five mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, has, and knows at the end of the month I'm getting this. So for me, it's great if I'm able to get um, a film or a TV commercial that pays me a lot of money yeah. that I can budget and say, this is gonna last me a year, it's gonna last me two years. And then because you live and you learn to become responsible to finances. So it's made me a being an artist has made me a better budgeter <laughs> <laughs> and to prioritize and to be able to take care of family. Yeah. 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 No, that 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 is amazing. That is amazing. And um yeah, there's a lot more to ask about the documentary, but I'll I'll come back to the documentary. Um just so you mentioned that in the documentary you mentioned that you had never gone back home since mm-hmm. you left home yeah is that still the case yes okay um and um I, yeah i i guess i was you know as much as you're sort of comfortable sort of sharing i was just sort of interested in i mean what that was like um and if do you think you could at some point go back home do you think attitudes have changed um or are you still a bit cautious about the whole thing yeah so um that's a good question attitudes are shifting Mm. that's for sure um but also at the same time uh for me it's very difficult as a person um, in the position that I am to know that the people who threatened have changed their minds, mm-hmm. part yeah. of that. There's also the other aspect mm. of um, going back to start again after so long, mm. given the industry that I'm in. Yeah. Uh, I've established myself as an act. So one of the calls that was coming through now is from my agent. I hope they never see this interview because I'm about to say, um, well, I hope they do see it. Yeah. But it was from my agent. Uh, they just sent me a text that flashed through the screen now to say I have a self-tape request. So it doesn't matter where I am. I can I can work because um, I get requested mm-hmm. to do professional work by professional um, media houses and film companies from around the world. And those things range from just using my voice or my face or my acting ability, my yeah. translation ability. And that's something to be proud of. But if I left my agent here and I left um, the agency that I'm, you know, I'm going to, 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 to be part of anywhere else mm-hmm. and go back home where the system doesn't work the same, yeah, and the salary is not the same for an actor. But those are difficult choices. Mm-hmm. So as much as I love home and I want to be back, it's a difficult choice to make. But if I was in an industry where I'd be able to 
um, go and start again and open a company and supply uh, supply and demand thing it'll be different yeah so it's 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 tough mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like um there's there's I, I i have friends who still get threatened now who've had to leave and there was a recent story of somebody that has had to leave home because they also got threatened for coming out mm-hmm. so it's 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 very hard and there's some amazing organizations doing great work yeah and i support them however i can uh i write for some publications for some of them mm-hmm. i have a thought uh column for some of them mm-hmm. and that's my contribution to the struggle of just being recognized as human yeah. you know yeah because of my sexual orientation for example and that's what it's about yeah so it's just been um a journey and a tug of war inside of me of what can I do and before um it was it was about I don't want to go and contribute tax in a country that doesn't recognize me as human yeah and that had to change fast because my family is there mm-hmm. so I have to somehow uh, support them financially whenever I can yeah. and that means I have no choice but to send money home so it's always a struggle you're always uh cartwheeling in your head mm-hmm through all these thoughts and processes and and things that that uh, give you nightmares at night. Yeah. So um, so yeah, it's not it's not so easy to just decide that I'm gonna go back. Mm-hmm. If I do go back, it's gonna be over a weekend, just see my family and get out without other people seeing me, which is not a way to live a life. Yeah. So yeah. I am able to see my mother because she can come and see me wherever I am. Yeah. I can get her over. And that that that's important. Um yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. And 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 that's completely understandable. Um I think the beauty um is you know in the world that we live in, this sort of digitized world, um, actually sometimes it's not about physically being home, but um, it's just the you know you live in your life and like you said it's uh, the fight to be recognized as human and I'm sure yeah. there's a lot of people in in Zim um, who look up to you and they're like oh Frank can do it I can do it uh-huh. yeah um, and exactly and actually you know you touched on sort of the industry in Zim um, and and other things but actually I think the beauty of what's sort of happening even with the documentary this is Robin director um I realized that the score for the documentary was done by Musam Kaya one of my wonderful friends yeah I'm gonna spend time with them in a few weeks yeah yes so actually it's it's creating an ecosystem where people from Zimbabwe are still sort of benefiting in a way and I think that's one way of sort of sidestepping some of these issues is actually yeah just you even coming on our podcast it's it's all sort of just creating an ecosystem so sometimes we don't physically have to be at home to yeah. kind of move things forward um, because people at home can still access everything yeah. that's being put out so yeah and also in 2018 or 2019 I do not remember I curated a thing from one of the for one of the big um, museums of contemporary art. Wow! Uh, I curated it with an amazing woman called Philippa Namutebi Kabalikagwa. She's from Uganda. Yeah. I actually just collaborated with her now uh, for this thing that brought me to KZN. Um, it was about home. Mm. It was uh, Africa Day and we were exploring what home means to different Africans. And so we curated uh, with the uh, gallery's assistant, uh, assistants, uh, we managed to um, create different floors because uh, it's at Zeitz Mocha, the biggest um, art museum in Southern Africa in Cape Town. So they have many floors with different themes of art and we chose every floor to create, I uh, mean, to represent a different theme. Mm-hmm. And it was then while working on that and, and starting to come up with ideas for that, that I realized that home doesn't have to always be a place. 
home can be a it can be a, a feeling it can be a place in your in your emotions it can also be in food it can also be and a whole lot and home means different things for many people i'm still interrogating what home means for me mm-hmm. because certainly the physicality of home uh, has become less and less of a thing for me having moved around um I recognize Bulawayo as a place that cradled me and a place that always resonates with me. And I will support and I will always keep uh, coming back and planting seeds whenever I can. Um, That I don't necessarily need to physically end up there if that's not the way life leads. Yeah. And so the thing is to take away that guilt from myself. It doesn't work for everybody. I know people that would not survive if they didn't go home at least once every three months to go spend time in their rural home or in the city. Um, but for me, it's different. It's a different feeling because for me, home, uh, since also I got married, home also is, you know, in the Nordic countries. You know, um, I felt when I was in Oslo, I felt as at home as I would have felt in Bulawayo. That was a strange feeling. And, uh, but it was also a beautiful feeling. So so home to me means something. I'm trying to interrogate what it means within me so I can articulate it, but I don't have the words for it. It's just a, a, a state of being whenever I'm being it, you know then I can tell you, oh, I feel at home. Yeah. Uh, right now I'm in Durban and it feels amazing to be among people that speak uh, variations of Isuzu. Some of the Isuzu that's spoken in the streets here sounds just like a Sindebele. The dialects yeah. sound just like, you know, there are like so many dialects of Zulu that I'm hearing that uh, some of them remind me of Wobblawe and it's been magical only been here uh, just over um, 24 hours yeah and it's just been incredible and it feels like home so for me I'm interrogating what that means when we talk about home mm. you know well, that is really powerful what you've said um, and actually I think you've really expressed it um, well it's a state of being um, it's where you feel yourself you know, where you can invest yeah. your full self, that is home. And yeah. I like what you said about taking the guilt away, because I think some people deal with that where they're like, I'm actually happy where I am and it's fine. <laughs> like, yeah. Like it's fine. You know, you, you know, one thing is, is it's one thing to, to, to identify with home mm. and it's one thing to have an identity. So my identity is that I was born in Louvre, right? So being born in Louvre, Louvre Clinic, I have never lived in Louvre. Like I don't remember a thing about it. Yeah. But there's this thing in me that has always wanted to be able to go there. When I lived in Malaya, I hardly ever set foot in Louvre. I didn't have a connection to it. Yeah. But for some, some other people might say, oh, where you're born if you go and see if you can you know find a space get a house there yeah and you know stuff like that um but when i think of Bulawayo as a whole my identity as a person from Wabulawayo, i have such a sense of pride Mm. about it if there's any chance to work with somebody from Bulawayo, if there's any chance to write a story or to create a story i'm in the process of writing a um, a film script probably for Netflix still working on it that's set in Bulawayo so so for, so for me that's a beautiful thing of honoring home or the sense of home because that's all built from beautiful memories but I don't have to go back and be there in order for me to get rid of the guilt so my identity if anybody asks me where were you born? Where are you from? Who are your people? Bulawayo will be the first thing to come out of that. But it doesn't mean I always have to be there. Yeah. Um, I think one of the victories 
that I always feel is when I achieve something, when I'm in an international production, it's been mostly TV commercials, unfortunately. Um, when I see my work being shown and me uh, traveling and performing all over these countries that I go to, my sense of pride is the fact that I'm not just going for myself. When people look up uh, where I'm from, they're gonna go check on the map if they don't know. Oh, that country that's shaped like a teapot, that's where he's from. <laughs> and it's beautiful for me. And, um, and I, I could talk about it till the cows come home, but, but my sense of home has changed. It's no longer a place, I don't think. Um, but my identity will always be my identity and I'll carry that with me all the time. Yes, yes. Oh, I absolutely love this. <laughs> I love this because this is what we always talk about. Um, and yeah, it, you have just nailed it. Like, I, I, I love this. Um, just to sort of close off, because um, you've mentioned the script that you're doing, Netflix. I was just interested in, you know, what you're doing, Frank, ah. the, the, the creative. Um, if there's any way that we can support things we need to look out for. Yeah, so uh, at the moment, I'm sort of all over the place, right? Um, so this work, this, this script that I'm, I'm, I'm working on, I've been working on for a few years. It's not looking like much at the moment because I'm also working on a play, uh, a one-man theater show that's a spin-off of my storytelling that I've been doing and um, the countries that I've gone to. Yeah. So that's my main focus now to do that, finish it. It's a one-man show about me and how I grew up from birth till who I am now. Yeah. It's called Stories of My Bones. It wow. touches on spirituality. And the spirituality of me as a gay man, yeah. uh, born in this body in Africa, under the political powers that we had, mm -hmm. and how people looked at me and continue to look at me, mm -hmm. and trying to call for the uh, humanity in me to be recognized. So it stirs my bones, and I've performed it on several stages now. Mm -hmm. uh, I might bring it to the United Kingdom in a few months, if all goes well. Mm -hmm. um, but the play is going to be a much bigger thing than what I'm performing now. I'm performing storytelling performances, which aren't as intricate. So, so the difference is storytelling is not less than theater and the play. Storytelling is its own art form. Mm -hmm. It creates its own magic and creates its own um, environment and its own spiritual path. Whereas theater and writing a play uh, under the same theme creates the ability to create a whole world physical that I can move in mm -hmm. and then I can be fully different characters because I play six different people in my family. Oh. I am my grandfather, my grandmother, my mother. I'm uh, other people that I came across. And so theater allows me to morph into all these characters and to bring out the training that I've you know, had as an actor. So I'm, I'm working on that. And the Netflix story is something that's going to happen beautifully. It's a story of um, young LGBT people growing up in the 90s and early 2000s in Bulawayo under the government. So it's gonna be partly fictional with real events folded in. Yeah. And I'm working with amazing uh, people. I don't want to mention names right yeah, now. That's fine. But uh, the ideas have been going back and forth for a few years. Mm -hmm. And some people I haven't spoken to about it in a while because I'm still trying to build the world. Mm. Um, I'm also... Um, um, I'm also... My, my husband and I are part of a collective. Uh, we have a home in Denmark. On an island where we're creating a cultural center where people such as yourself and uh <laughs> and other creatives can come and spend time we can just come and take a creative break a sabbatical mm -hmm. to think of new ideas to create worlds 
where we're creating accommodation there, where people can camp in the grounds of our home, or they can also um, they can also come and uh, journalists can come and work if they're working on sensitive stuff. Yeah. So uh, we also can do residencies for artists that are coming. So we're trying to create that. So that's another thing that I got my hands, you know, yeah. dunked in. And I'm also working towards um, creating. So what I did uh, started two Saturdays ago, I'm starting to uh, bring African food to the forefront, not this curated African food that's created to make it look like food from other cultures, but the food our grandmothers cooked for us in the rural areas the way it is. Mm -hmm. I'm creating spaces where that food can be eaten, discussed, and stories can be told about it, and we take people into our world. So we had a successful one. I'm partnering with a beautiful man uh, from Balawi as well, Leto Chabangu. Mm -hmm. He's a brewer. Uh, he's got his own brewery in Cape Town, but he's from um, he's from Balawi as well, and a wonderful Kosa woman. Um, her name's Mbui. Uh, she has the space it's called cooks cooktastic so we we created this experience for people from all over the world uh two weeks ago and we had think of a food and we had it and we just went into the kitchen and went crazy our mothers and grandmothers would have been proud <laughs> let you made amasi wow. like thick ones uh we cooked amaklimbi we had uh party i made in kobe and we, we had uh, um, like all of it. Um, Kemiswane was there, um, Como, and everybody was so curious. We had people from different organizations come and have this experience and journey. So that's my passion to try and bring from hiding our foods, which, which are healthy, mm -hmm. which we should have never left behind which are still getting discovered as superfoods around the world and being sold for ridiculous price prices. So I'm trying to, to normalize our food. And at some point, I'd love to open a restaurant that only sells our food, uh, both here in South Africa and in Norway. So that's kind of what I'm working on. Uh, I've also been cast in a film that's going to be shot here in KZN. Oh, wow. Uh, as, as the lead, one of the leads, maybe. Um, <laughs> So that's in the pipeline. Um, so I might be back. Next time I'm back here, I might be playing a beautiful Zulu man with lots of problems. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so that's that's my next uh, that's my next project, I think. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm still constantly auditioning for work. Um, uh, some of the films that are coming out now were things I auditioned for and had callbacks for, but never got the jobs. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's an actor's life. So that's, that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell right now and how things are happening. Oh, amazing, amazing. And, and I am interested in the collective and the, you know, the, the work yeah. and the retreat. Um, so <laughs> maybe, maybe what we can do is at some point uh, I could connect you with Leah too and you can have a conversation. He's a very knowledgeable, beautiful human being. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure he'd be he'd be happy to to do something with you and to have a conversation yeah. or both of us together, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No. So. That is that is amazing. Frank, thank you so much for your time. Oh, and then I guess one last question, because yeah. I realized that the documentary is not on YouTube anymore, because I know yeah. it's getting big uh, bigger platforms and all that sort of stuff. Um yeah. What's the plan in terms of people accessing it? In so um, I, I've got the same question. So uh, in a few days, I'll probably have a conversation with the director and find okay. out. Because yeah. uh, there are a lot of people still asking where they can see it. So what you saw was the Al Jazeera version of it. Mm -hmm. There is a different version of it. And there's also the director's cut Ah. The director's cut also focuses a lot more on my activism and also about things that I'm doing around LGBT issues and how I'm progressing with that and focuses a little bit more on that sort of stuff. So that's, um, that's so there are different versions. So I think 
I think the Al Jazeera part might be close and maybe it'll come back up in their archives. Yeah. But there, 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 there are other versions of it that are going to come. I mean, they won't be vastly different, but they'll have little nuggets more in there. And one thing I, I wanted to let people know was that my grandmother never uh, quite made it out of the illness. So she passed away about two months ago. So, uh, yeah, her health deteriorated more. She got better after the documentary. She never got to see the documentary, but she got better after the shooting and we were hopeful. And then she didn't quite make it out. But uh, it's good that we see her. And one of my favorite scenes is her praying for uh, for Kiki and going smashing. Yes, yes. Oh. That was so funny for me. So I'll, I'll cherish that. And uh, there's some good memories there. Yes. So I just want to let everybody know that she didn't make it, but she's always there. Oh, and and thank 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 you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that prayer you. was really powerful. Um, and um, Langa Lezo and just condolences to the family. And I, but I hope you take heart that you know. I think all of you and you particularly really. It, it, it shone through the documentary, the heart that you had for your grandmother. Um, and even your mom was like, you know, Frank doesn't play with you when it comes to God. Um, so I think things like that, hopefully they, they kind of will, will help, you know, during the times that you miss her, that you did everything um, that, that you could do. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you, thank you. Oh, Frank, oh man, I, the conversation that we had about home, I mean, that could be another podcast episode, but yes. thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. Again, as I said at the top, I said you're a busy, you're a busy man and I've taken yeah. way too much of your time. <laughs> I'm supposed to call my agent now and because and, <laughs> they want me to do a self-tape. I don't know when it's due, so means yeah. learning lines and getting into character and shooting it sending yeah. it back <laughs> no all the best with that and we will you know we'll be looking out for everything that's coming out um and we'll support and guys Thank make you. sure you follow frank we're, we're gonna put like um links to your social media so that people Perfect. follow um and just any other things as well but um frank thank you it has been my pleasure Thank you so much. Thanks. Take care now. Bye.